Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Pewter post-game show, the last preseason Pewter post-game show of the year. Thank God. You took the words right out of my mouth, Scott. Thank Thank goodness it is the last preseason game. We have our sights set on the regular season, and I know you Bucks fans are as well because there is a huge difference between when the Bucks starters and when the Bucks backups are in the game. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is SR, Scott Reynolds of PewterReport.com. And Scott, Bucks lost 27 to 10 today. tonight. There was some good, a pretty good amount of bad, but nonetheless, as I just said, um, as the title says, the starters going into it look pretty good. So that's a positive that I think we can start with at least for the beginning of the show. Yeah. I just killed a mosquito. My, my microphone there didn't mean to, to startle anyone, but um, <laughs> I think I got him. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I mean, probably the most exciting thing happening tonight was the mosquito kill by me. I mean, Tom Brady played, that was good. And uh, we, we saw Julio Jones with a nice catch and uh, Blaine Gabbert looked good. Also played good. And had a nice play to Kate Otten, 30 yards. Other than that, eh, I don't know. I mean, J.J. Holland had a catch. Really, th- this was kind of a disappointing game, right? We, we saw we've been hyping this, this group of, of undrafted wide receivers, Matt, for a long time. And for whatever reason, they just have not shown up the last two games at all. Against the Dolphins, these guys were getting open, making plays for Blaine Gabbert, for Kyle Trask. And that just was not the case, really, over these last two preseason games. So, it, if for as much momentum as they were getting in practice and after that Dolphins game, it's come to a screeching halt. And then they didn't even really show up on special teams either. So uh, it, it's it's really going to have to go down to the practice film for some of these guys to make the team. And then there's other players on defense and special teams that had made some strides, had created some buzz in the preseason. Nolan Turner got the start mm-hmm. tonight because – uh, you, you didn't see um, Antoine Winfield out there and and uh, Logan Ryan. So he got the start at, and also Keanu Neal. So he got the start at center, uh, uh, center safety. field, a uh, safety, yeah. and didn't play well. I mean, he missed a huge tackle opportunity on, on the 45-yard touchdown run by Sam Ellinger. So uh, he took a step back tonight, I think, from a defensive standpoint. He did come away with a special teams tackle. Maybe that helps his cause. Uh, Olakunle Fadakasi, I thought – had five, four or five tackles tonight on defense, missed a couple of tackles as well, which we really hadn't seen over the first two preseason games. He'd been a pretty stout tackler. And, and then, you know, another guy, Don Gardner, who almost had an interception, then came through with the pick in the mm-hmm. last game. I didn't think he really stood out, uh, at least on, on the initial first glance. We'll go back and look at the tape. But there's a couple of of guys that had been making some strides and getting some buzz. And this could have been the exclamation point for some of these young players to make the team. And it just didn't happen tonight. There were a number of players that fell into the quote unquote trap of they were doing some good things in training camp and the joint practices, especially those receivers that you mentioned when you get yeah. those one-on-one matchups, which again, as we talked about are right. a little more favored for the receivers. Yeah. You look pretty good. But things are different when the lights turn on, when you put on the full gear and you're going up against another team in an actual NFL game. And, you know, Scott, some of those receivers really could have used a Celsius energy drink. And, of course, Celsius is the providing sponsor of 
the Peter Report podcast. And we love Celsius for multiple reasons. Number one, the variety of flavors that they have. I am rocking right now the sparkling orange pomegranate. They also got uh, kiwi. They have watermelon. Uh, the old school orange is one of my favorites. I've been rocking that a lot. And of course, the vibes are great too. The vibes are always very high with these cans. The Arctic vibe, fantastic. Tropical vibe and the peach vibe. They have uh, seven essential vitamins and it gives you that essential energy to get you through your day. Whether you're watching a mundane second half of a preseason game, going to work, or getting ready to pump that iron on a workout, make sure you're drinking a Celsius energy drink. Uh, go to the store locator on their website. Find out where there's a Celsius near you or buy them in bulk on Amazon. I would highly recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And you could set it up where they go to your house or apartment every two weeks, three weeks, whatever it may be. Just make sure you are drinking Celsius energy drink. And as I said, sparkling orange pomegranate right here for me. I'm going to crack that open in a mere couple of uh, seconds. You got the, I got I the cola. Oh, you got the cola. You know what, Scott? Yep. So many people have been saying, man, like, I really want to get the cola. Uh, we hear everyone hyping it's it good. up. And, it really yeah. is. It, it's a great change up. I, I prefer the fruity flavors in the morning, the orange, you know, the, the orange pomegranate, as you mentioned, yeah. the tropical vibe, or Arctic vibe. I love those. But in the afternoon, it's got to be like, uh, you know, the, the cola or the cucumber lime where it's it's just not as as kind of a fruity taste. So, yeah. Um, uh, I'm the old man of the podcast, so I, I, I've got to have two Celsius to stay up this late at night and get some work done. But glad I did. Uh, speaking of getting some work done, we did see Tom Brady get some work in. We were all waiting for this, right, after after old man Brady comes off his <laughs> training camp vacation, right? That's a luxury. Uh, he he goes out and, uh, and looks pretty good tonight. Looks pretty good for the old man, right? I mean, Jason Light on the podcast, and, and I believe Rondé Barber said this as well, of course, Ronnie got his information from Jason. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so did I. But uh, his arm strength is just, it, it's its better than it's ever been, which is just crazy to think, right, at age 45, that Tom Brady is slinging the ball as as hard and as fast as, as he ever has. But th that was the case tonight. I mean, he, he had a ton of zip on that ball to Julio Jones, who made his first preseason catch. For the Buccaneers, a 20-yard out that was just an absolute laser. Yeah, that was probably the highlight play in terms of when Tom Brady was in there. Uh, he was 6 of 8 for 44 yards in the game. And one of those incompletions was just a clear-cut drop by Tyler Johnson. I believe it was actually his first attempt at pass of the game. Yeah. But as I said, the highlight was 20 yards down the field, Julio Jones. It was right after they just completed the fourth down play, which Tyler Johnson, to his credit, redeemed himself there. Then chucked yeah. it towards the, the right side of the sideline. Julio Jones made the catch, caught it, didn't really make a move and kind of just went out of bounds. But that was exactly what you wanted to see from Tom Brady and Julio Jones. I yeah. and it's funny because you mentioned Jason Light when he was talking with Rondé Barber. He said, I think Tom Brady is even better than he has been since coming here, yeah. which is, you know, <laughs> un, like how does Tom Brady get it's even better? Think, right? I don't know. One way or another, he does it. And it just showed like to anyone that was worried, uh, concerned about Tom Brady missing some time. It didn't matter. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, maybe a little bit of chemistry with some of the younger guys like Kate Otten, who we'll talk about later. But, I mean, he pushed the tempo. He pushed the envelope. Everything was upbeat. I really like that. Uh, we already we already know that 
with an offensive line that definitely struggled, especially when more of the backups were in. But, yeah. you know, Luke Edicke was kind of up and down. Nick Leverett looked like a turnstile at some points. And obviously yeah. Robert Hainsey with that injury. Um, I'm not as concerned, though, when Brady's in because, you know, he's just going to get rid of the ball quickly. So he's going to be able to combat that offensive line that, um, you know, will struggle at times just from the yeah. fact that you're relying on a, a second year player and a rookie to, to block for Tom Brady. But I thought he got the ball out. Very quickly, obviously, he's still looking for Mike Evans all the time, so no concerns there. Evans <laughs> right. uh, drew a penalty on Stephon Gilmore. There's another incompletion to him. But I don't know. I have no concerns about Tom Brady heading into the regular season. I don't think any Bucks fans should either because yeah. he did pretty much everything you expected of him except for they didn't score a touchdown. They, unfortunately, had to settle for a field goal. But I think when they play Dallas, things will be just a little bit different. Yeah, I agree. We're bringing in J.C. Allen now. Uh, just talking about, about the, the first drive – from Tom Brady and and how they, they went up tempo. That's one thing Todd Bowles uh, communicated after the game in the press conference was they wanted to go up tempo to to eliminate some of the Colts pressure plays just to make sure they could get Brady in and out. And, and you know, they even went forward on fourth down. I think if there is something to watch now, again, this is August football. This is different than the regular season, right, where you're going to have the starters in for the whole game. But this has kind of been a bit of a carryover here in the preseason. Uh, the third down conversion rate for this team tonight was one of 11 on third down offensively. That's 9.1%. That sucks. That, that's really, really bad. And the Buccaneers did convert their, their only fourth down, which was a uh, which was a, a, a play when, when Tom Brady was out there because they wanted to keep that, that drive going. But – it's just something to watch because Josh Capo and I were in Tennessee watching uh, that horrific offensive performance last week against the Titans. And again, the Buccaneers really struggled on third down. So we'll see if this is strictly a situation where it's just August football, forget about it, Tom and, and the guys come out clicking, or if this is kind of a fundamental issue with the play calling, marrying in with the execution on the offense and just not having a lot of consistency in practice with the offensive line injuries, with Tom Brady being in and out. We'll have to wait and see. Are, are either one of you guys concerned about third downs yet, or is this just eh, something we'll kind of keep an eye on, maybe in Dallas, but otherwise it might just be an August issue? I, I, JC, I go ahead. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're, we're talking about this more if it continues in Dallas. You know, when you're dealing with some backups out there, third stringers, you know, wide receivers who are who are undrafted and, and you know, Kyle Trask in his second second year and still kind of, you know, getting down everything in the playbook and rhythm with everybody and it's turning in and uh, changing in and out linemen combinations. I think that'd be a, a situation where if it, if it continues, yeah, it, it, there's some serious question marks. So you mentioned offensive play call. And thankfully, Leonard Fournette had a 13-yard run on that first run of the game. Yeah. But how yeah. many first down runs have are we going to see from Byron Leftwich until yeah. – you know, teams are already predicting it, and it's very predictable at this point. But right, it sets you have the best offense passing offense in the league, and the yeah. best quarterback in the league, and you're continuing to do these runs, which sets you back on those plays and can put you in those situations where you know you're facing third and longs, and it that continues in the Dallas game. Matt, I don't know about you, but that that scares me, that worries me because you're leaving drives drives on the field at that point. It's something to have on your radar, but I don't think like right in front of you. I think we also have to remember that, you know, uh, Chris Godwin did not participate in this game and we'll see if he plays against Dallas, but Russell Gage again is another player that 
um, will probably be playing when they head to Dallas on Sunday yeah. night football. And, you know, it's not Tyler Johnson that's going to be dropping that ball over the middle. It's going to be Russell well, Gage. it could be. More than likely. Well, like, <laughs> you never know, but I, right. I don't know. I'd be willing he to bet. He himself on that fourth down, though. He, he did. did. He okay. did. But I, I don't know. I have a little more faith with Russell Gage in this offense than right. I do with Tyler Johnson. As good of a, you know, training camp preseason Tyler Johnson was having up until, you know, this game. I, I, I think – you know, they obviously didn't throw the kitchen sink with this offense in this one game, and it was only one drive for Tom Brady. Um, so all the other mishaps and not com- converting on third down when it's all most of the backups for the majority of the time, I'm not overly concerned about that because ultimately it's going to be Brady orchestrating these drives and Brady making the decisions yeah. on third down. It was a little odd that he went to like Cam Brait, <laughs> uh, you know, on that on yeah. that third down where it's like Cam Brait's not a guy that is going to break tackles, but sometimes yeah. you got to go where the defense well, it's, dictates it. It's one of those things too, where this is preseason. They're not game planning for the Colts. They're, they're literally yeah. just trying to look at things. And that's why yeah. I, I, a, a lot of the, the fans are kind of freaking out about all the running plays and not really giving Kyle Trask and the young receivers a chance to show themselves. Well, they still have some young backup offensive linemen that might end up on the practice squad that they have to evaluate as as a run blocker right i mean that that's why you're seeing that it's not just to to try to win the game or get points or feature uh you know layered at the end of the game so much as it is just the offensive linemen and also the receivers out there can those young small receivers can kaylin geiger block can jared stearns block can Right. Can Devin Tompkins block? The, those the, those are things that that these coaches want to see, and that's part of the reason why it got really boring at the end because <laughs> it's, it's it's not about game planning or trying to win the game. It's about putting guys in situations so you have them on tape and you can make an evaluation. And do you want to put a lot of tape on those young undrafted guys out there this last preseason game yeah. and uh, kind of evaluate that game as you mentioned their blocking game? Right. You know, kind of keep them off to the side a little bit. You've seen what they can do in those other two games in camp, and you don't want to give extra tape to any people when, when waiver cuts downs come around and you want to sneak some of those guys back. That's on. true. That's a good point. We, we just put in the, the chat here the latest injury update story where Todd Bowles talks about Robert Hainsey. It looks like it is uh, going to be a, a mild ankle sprain. We'll see how the swelling goes tomorrow. I've talked to plenty of, of NFL players that felt like it just uh, like a little bit of a tweaked ankle. Then the next morning it's swollen and they can't even put any pressure on it. So hopefully that's not the case with Robert Hainsey. He was walking around, uh, you know, without a limp or anything during the second half of the game. So we'll see. That's probably some good news there. If that's the case at the same time, that he doesn't think it's something, any, anything major either during the uh, broadcast. So that was, yeah. Well, again, we'll see if there's any swelling tomorrow because that that's that's going to be the big thing. When he wakes up tomorrow, he can walk around fine. You, you can breathe a sigh of relief if it's swollen because sometimes that's what happens with high ankle sprains is that they don't seem as bad as lower ankle sprains initially, but like they, they can flare up the next morning. And I hope that's not the case. It's certainly a good sign that that these that these, you know, uh, initial reports are 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 positive. Let's put it that way. And that was, other than Brady coming back in terms of offensive storylines, Hainsey getting injured, obviously, I think was the second biggest thing. They, he played a little bit more, him and, and Gedeke obviously played a little bit more than most of the starters because they're still young guys yep. learning the position or getting experience at the position, uh, I, I should say. So that's why they were in more. I, I saw some people complaining about that. I had no issue with them still playing. Again, the Bucs have to figure out, like, can we truly – 
trust these guys. But I will say, I mean, the Bucs can ill afford to lose anyone on the offensive line, especially yes. Hainsey as their backup center. I mean, right. I, I then don't... their backup backup center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Leverett moves into center, and he was already struggling as it was at, at guard. Him going into Dallas. Thank you, Mr. Bucks Nation, for thank the you. $2 super chat. Appreciate you, man. I, I can't see a team with Leverett as the starting center. I no. mean, and for everyone saying J.C. Treader, J.C. Treader, he retired. He's he retired. not coming to the Bucs. I not saw so option. many people on social media. The Buccaneers media. did not like his tape last year, and guess what? Neither did any other NFL team because he didn't get any interest. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes folks, the PFF grade is wrong. That's just how it is, right? <laughs> so that's that's how it is. Uh, so see here, Tom, Fadakasi should be the number three middle linebacker. Uh, well, I mean, technically, yeah. I mean, I, the number three linebacker, inside linebacker. He, he had an okay game. This this was not as good of a game as he had against Tennessee or even the Dolphins. He missed some tackles on one of those those touchdown drives for the Colts in the I believe the second quarter. Uh, but the thing is, is he does fly to the ball faster than than KJ Britt. And the the one takeaway that I had in watching Britt and Fadakasi tonight is Britt is a guy who knows this defense. This is year two. He got praised and lauded all off season for how in command he is. He, he's got the green dot on the helmet. He's, he's got the, the earpiece in there for, uh, you know, for communication with, with the, the defensive coordinators. Um, at the same time though, Fadakasi just has more speed. He's just, he's more athletic. He can, he can get there faster and he shouldn't be getting there faster. If, if KJ Britt knows the play, but that's where Britt's uh, lack of athleticism or lack of, of, of good or slash elite athleticism shows up, in my opinion. I think and it's, he's been good on special teams as well. He's been good on special teams, yes. AJ yeah. Britt had that tackle right there on, on the punt return, but if, if you know he whiffed on it, Fadakasi is right there to blow him up and, yeah. and almost got the assist. He was about a half second shy of that being an assisted tackle. Yeah. So he's looked good in, in both phases of the game, and I think they trust him out there. And it's going to come down to, I think, really, you know, Stewart or him, or yeah. maybe you keep that fifth guy. So, yeah. You, you know who else, who else looked good? Ryan Suckup looked good. Oh, I he's the kicker. We Blaine. <laughs> huh? yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. If you want to mention Blaine, we can we can go there too. Blaine <laughs> looking good. Hey, there was one quarterback that orchestrated a touchdown scoring drive, yeah, and it wasn't was, Tom Brady. I, I, again, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it was not Tom Brady. Yeah. No, Blaine Gabbert. What he did this this uh, this off season is. I don't know, and I wrote this about this in the SRS Fab Five. I'm not going to go into a lot of details. You can read it on uh, on PewterReport.com. But what he did was he elevated his game enough to keep Kyle Trask as the number three. And Trask just did not do enough in last week's game or, or, or tonight to where he made a real run at the backup job. And and when Blaine, when Blaine got the starting reps with the ones – he, he operated that offense pretty well. It, it was not to Brady's level. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but but I'm just saying he he looked better than Kyle Trask did right. at, at a lot of points in training camp, in the practices, and also in the preseason too, and certainly didn't do anything to lose the job. I just don't think Trask made up enough ground. And you know, and, and is that a good thing or a bad thing for this organization? It's it's it this organization wanted Kyle Trask to win that number two job because of the draft pick they had invested in him. And I don't think after three preseason games and an extended look at Kyle Trask in practice, especially getting all those backup reps behind Gabbert, 
that he did anything to make you say he is a quarterback consideration in in the post Tom Brady year, whether that's 2023 or or maybe even later. But I think this organization is thinking this is Brady's last year in Tampa or maybe in the NFL. And I just don't think how Kyle Trask can make that leap from quarterback three to quarterback one in an offseason where he, or I should say during a season where he's going to be getting hardly any scout team reps as the number three quarterback again. Mm. Yeah, right. And I, I think this was one of his better games uh, that he's had. Certainly better than last week. You saw some yeah. some different things out of trash manipulating the pocket, making, you know, he had Coquive wide open underneath. Uh, but then, he, you know, he found J.J. Howland for a deep gain. Uh, and there was some some good plays made by him, but Blaine Gabbard yeah. just been better. I mean, Blaine had his early season struggles, but he got over those, you know, in camp, but he got over those really quickly and has really performed well. And, yeah. and let's face it, you know, when it comes to what Brady wants, he wants Blaine out there holding the holding the clipboard, you know, sitting down with him with the Surface Pro after after drives and breaking down the plays. And that's yeah. always kind of going to be the case. And, and Trask really had to come in and be lights out Right. And really take over that position. That never happened at any point. So yeah. you know, Blaine's going to be the guy. He's gonna, and Trask will be lucky if he's even active on game days, just like he was last year. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good point. He probably he'll probably just be holding the clipboard, but wearing a you know wearing a hat, yeah. <laughs> going and watching. Choice. I will say, Blaine Gabbert. You know, again, when we lived in this world where Tom Brady wasn't coming back, and the Bucks really only had the choice between Blaine and and Kyle Trask, Blaine Gabbert, his performance throughout the whole preseason made me think and I guess believe that he is the guy that if he were to play a significant amount of time, I would still pick the Bucks to go and like win the division in the NFC South. And that was kind of like our hopes for Blaine Gabbert again yeah. in this Brady retirement world. And so I think Gabbert, you know, performed pretty efficiently, you know, yeah. didn't turn the ball over. He didn't... he didn't scare you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. like the, the knock on the old Blaine Gabbert was the frightening interception, the the turnover, the sack fumble. And again, it's it's been my, my fascination, my curiosity. What would Gabbert 2.0 look like? What yeah. would the 32-year-old Gabbert, who's mm -hmm. been sitting and watching Brady for the last couple of years, the best to ever do it, knows this offense. This is year five in this system. He had eight different offensive coordinators in his first eight years, eight different wow, systems. Coaches. That was Th there's there's no way yeah. anybody can have success. You can't – if Tom Brady had that, there's no way Tom Brady would have even one Super Bowl right now. Nobody. Into Alex nobody. Smith. You know, Alex Smith kind of went through the same stuff yeah. in San Francisco, and then, you know, he found success later on in his career with the Chiefs. But I think – Matt, I think you hit the nail on the head. If Brady has to miss four games for whatever reason – I think you you go into those four games saying, okay, we can probably go two and two at least with Gabbard at the helm with the weapons and the way the defense was expected to yeah. perform this season. So I think yeah. that was a perfect, you know, assertion of, of what Gabbard has shown so far right. through this you just, season. Yeah, you just don't hope it's the first four games of the season. <laughs> right, right. And what one last thing on Kyle Trask real quick. Um I, I do want to give him credit. He made two really good throws. JC, you mentioned one of them when it was kind of like the play broke down. He's able to get outside the pocket and, and hit that pass to uh, to Howland, which was uh, – Howland led the, the team in receiving yards on, on yeah. that one play. Well, he's had um, two big catches now. He had a, a big catch from Trask in the Dolphins game as well down yeah. in the team. So it, this is a player that, that they like. I, mean, uh, I think he's a practice squad player for the Buccaneers. Oh, for sure. They already got their four tight ends. But next year, right, you got to make a decision. 
Cam yeah. Brate's going to be 32. He's in a contract year. Kyle Rudolph, uh, honestly, Kyle Rudolph has probably been the third best tight end in camp. I, I would mm -hmm. put Cam Brate with his experience, a slight edge over Cade Otten, who, you know, we, we saw two really good plays, 30-yard catch on a great pass from Blaine. Well, seven-yard catch, he had a, a, a you know a, a drop that you just can't have, hit you right in the hand. You turned around and to run before you caught it. Right. And then he had the, the penalty. But he will be, in my opinion, the starting tight end sooner rather than later this season. He's going to be tight end one. They're really happy with what he's been doing in Coquip. So they very well could be after this season. You have Kate Otten as your starter, Coquip as your number two slash fullback. And then maybe J.J. Howland gets a shot after a year in the practice squad to come up and be that number three. But they like him a lot better than Tanner Hudson, who just simply couldn't block. The tight ends overshadowed the wide receivers today. Like, oh, Otten, really of course, did. you know, making that big play, of course, that that was the beginning. Of, that was the beginning. Well, yeah, the Julio play was I mean, nice, That was just great. I mean, but outside yeah. of that, but yeah. yeah I, um, but Otten's catch, you know, that that helped lead to the touchdown that went later on. And Coe Keefe is becoming like, a human blocking highlight reel. Yeah. You know, people would rather watch Coquif pancake someone than like yeah. the Bucks move the ball down the field. He's become what it goes crazy whenever he's blocking somebody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's like becoming a cult hero early yeah. on as a rookie. He, he's kind of like fun to must, see. He is must see TV. Yeah. He really is must see TV. And, um, you know, when, when the receivers kind of struggled like they did outside of Julio, it's, it was nice to see like a, another group actually step it up a little bit again in a game where, there was the struggle bus was really moving in a lot of directions for yes. uh, for <laughs> for the Bucks in that game. But yeah, shout out to the tight ends for yeah. for going out and, and making plays when other. Matt, people what was weren't. your second throw that of trash that really impressed you? I think I know what it was. Yeah, it know. was um, it was early when he was playing. It was it was a third and long, and he connected over the middle. I believe it was to Tyler Johnson. Yeah, to, uh, to, yeah, to keep catch. the chains moving. That yeah, that was a nice so play there. The First third down conversion and only third down conversion yeah. of the entire game. That's right. It right. Was. Yeah. yeah. That's and a, like, that was a really nice play. And it's like, okay, like, there you go, Kyle Trask. You turn to the corner. And then, like, later in the game, you just hold on to the ball too long and get sacked. And it's like, damn, we're back to yeah. square one. And that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think we would be remiss if we did not talk about um, the end of Scotty Miller in Tampa. You know, and, it, and that stinks. I mean, I saw somebody in there that says Scotty needs a whole case of Celsius. He's actually a pitch man for Celsius. I like Scotty. It's just, it's a shame that he just could not recapture what he did in 2020. And sometimes that happens. I've just seen, I've seen guys that you think the arrow's pointing up for, and then something happens. And whether it's an injury or whether it's a circumstance, they lose their confidence, whatever. He's had some bright moments in training camp but he's just not been able to recapture what he did in 2020. And that's, that's just unfortunate because it's, he, I think he's got NFL talent. I just don't know that he is, well, he certainly is not one of the best five receivers in Tampa. And, yeah. and then when you're talking six or seven, you got to factor in special teams and he just never, never made it, never got the opportunity in practice, or I should say in games in practice he did. And I don't know why he didn't, Crazy. Get a look in a game as a punt returner, kick returner. It's not going to hurt. Some of the guys they put out there haven't been any better, but yeah. yet I th I think with with this drop and I mean last it should have last week's drop. Yeah, it just it's over. For him. You know, and I, and I wrote about that and most disappointing, which is going to be live on PeterReport.com soon. So go check that out. 
I don't know. It appears at the moment and that the competition got to him. Like it was too big for him. And that's all he was, yeah. he's been worrying about in the back of his mind because that's a routine catch. Like you make that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, last week's catch, you make those catches and, and he's made those catches. That's the thing. Um, and, you know, he has, he's looked really good in practice. I've been really impressed with him the way they've used him as a versatile guy, not just that one trick pony going over the middle of the field. He yeah. did, did it last week with that, you know, 15 yard catch over the middle, playing a little bit of slot, doing the end arounds. And they have, he's been out there every single day at punt returner, but they didn't use him at yeah. all, which is very surprising. But, you know, he, he talked about adding that extra weight to his body to help him, you know, be a more efficient blocker and everything like that. But man, Scott, did he have a whiff in a half shell on that Keyshawn Vaughn tackle for a loss in the, in the game. And, and yeah, yeah. You got to make that block. I mean, and, and that that's part of it too is, is that's where Tyler Johnson, who's not the best blocker on the team, but he, he's bigger and, and better as a blocker. And, and uh, you know, this, this is a team that when, when they want to run the ball, they want to see the wide receivers block, right? That's, that's part of, of the, of the job requirement. And that was a big reason why Cyril Grayson actually got promoted from the practice squad last year. Last year, the team felt he was the second best receiver that could do some run blocking right behind Chris Godwin. I mean, they they put him up there next to Mike Evans in terms of being a run blocker. So that's that's how you make an impression, not just as a receiver, because this team's got a fantastic four. We've talked about it. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Russell Gage. They got guys that can catch the ball. If you're going to make this team, you got to be able to do something else, help in the run blocking department, play on special teams, Find something else to do because they already got guys, four of them, that can catch the ball and catch it really well. That's what I kind of thought with Scotty in terms of if he was going to make this team, I think it would have to be through just being an efficient gunner. And I thought it was quite odd that he didn't really get a ton of opportunities in this game when it was the indie game last year that really put Scotty on the map in terms (laughs) of being a special teams player. Um, I do want to make another point about Scotty, but you know, if he does unfortunately get cut. Uh, I do think he could end up on like another team, but you know, as he's waiting around to hear from his agent, he might be a little down in the dumps because he just got cut by a team. Uh, One way that he could cheer himself up is by going to pin chasers and getting in a a couple rounds at the lanes guys. Of course, uh, pin chasers is another sponsor of the Peter report podcast. We've had the Peter report bowling league there. We've had other great events there with guys like uh, Mike Allstott, Martin Gramatica, uh, Pin Chasers is the place to be if you're going to go bowling. But it's even more than just bowling. It is a great night out with friends and families. They got multiple locations, as you see on the screen here. East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, and Veterans. They have one very close to the Advent Health Training Center where the Bucks have their practices and uh, training camp that goes on. The food is very underrated. Love the pizza. The uh, chicken tendies, awesome. The nachos are absolutely fantastic. And at this time of the year where it's scorching hot outside, you want to go to a place where the AC is going to be bumping. And that's why you need to go to Pin Chasers. You could also book your kid's party there. They got the arcade room so your kid and their friends can bowl, go to the arcade. And like I said, it's a fun night out with friends and family because they have deals every single night, whether it's all you can eat pizza, all you can bowl, uh, dollar beers, whatever you want. There is a deal out there for you. So go to Pin Chasers. Yeah, exactly. Thought about it. I'm in, Andy Bernard. So, yeah, go to pinchasers.net, and you will not be disappointed. But, yeah, one last thing about Scotty is – and, JC, you also already kind of talked about it. Uh, Thank you very much, Charlie. Um, (laughs) 
he was making those plays in practice, you know, over the middle, um, just pretty much just not the deep ball, not the play yeah. that we know that Scotty can do. Right. And it wasn't, uh, it was a little bit of a lack of opportunities. Like he had the one moment in the Miami game and it was a little like, not a little, but like just slightly underthrown by Kyle Trask. And that's why the right. defender was able to, to knock it down. Yeah. But like, again, he should have made the catch in Tennessee. He should have made the catch in this game. They tried to throw. It wasn't necessarily a screen, but they tried to get him the ball. And there's defenders all around him, so it, yeah. it was a reception for a loss. He's just it hasn't been there when we want to see different iterations of Scotty Miller, and just hasn't come to fruition. I'll tell you yeah. what, I think this just solidified that the Bucks are probably going to keep six wide receivers on this roster. You know, the lack of, um, you know, the the lack of Devin Tompkins' involvement, Kalen Geiger's involvement. Mm -hmm. I think that's clear signs that they didn't want to showcase them too much, as I mentioned, to try to sneak them back on the practice squad. And as much as everyone in the chat's going to hate this, but I think Darden's your sixth. Tyler Johnson's locked up that fifth maybe two games yeah. ago. And I think that's your six wide receivers. I don't think there's seven wide receivers on this roster. Come Well, the other thing, too, is is uh, it, it depends on on how severe this ankle injury. Again, we don't think it's severe because Robert Hainsey was out walking around in the second half and just was looked like he was okay. But as, as much as I hate to say it, I, this, they might have to keep John Mulchin on the roster for a week or two, just in yeah. case, because if it is an ankle injury, even if it's not a high ankle, uh, if that's tweaked, you're down to essentially one center in the game. And that's Nick Leverett. If, you know, if, if something were to happen in Dallas. And so I, it, it, I don't want John Mulchin on this cool. roster. I don't think he's deserved it. But again, as Todd Bowles has said, it's not about keeping the best 53. It's about keeping the right 53 for your team. And the, the injuries that they've suffered in the offensive line with Stinney and, and, and Robert, uh, you know, Robert Hainsey and, and of course, Ryan Jensen, you don't want to get into a situation. And I, and I was just talking in the PR group chat during the game it feels to me week one is not going to be the shootout that it was last year, right? It's not going to be close to 40 points or whatever uh, each team scoring. This is going to be a game that I think is going to be in the low twenties because you've got two banged up offensive lines, Dallas and Tampa, two pretty good defensive fronts, obviously in the Buccaneers and the Cowboys as well. Those, those sides of the ball are the strength right now for the Cowboys and, and the Buccaneers. So it just feels to me like this is going to be a game that's going to be 2017, 24, 20, somewhere in that range. And the last thing you want to do is suffer another key injury in the offensive line where you can't run the ball, Tom Brady's getting hit, and we, we know, we've we seen that that movie before, and it doesn't end well. We saw, you know who saw that movie? It was Rashad White. <laughs> Rashad yeah. White saw <laughs> a horror flick, and that yeah. was, you know, the Colts oh five yards goodness. in the backfield. <laughs> Before he even have an opportunity, Gidecki got to get blown up. Nick Leverett got blown up. Nick Leverett actually made a tackle, I think, on the first one. Like he got driven five yards back, and Ainsley got blown tackle. up. Ainsley All got three blown of those up. interior yeah. linemen just was did not. not. <laughs> what was his name? Grover, uh, Stuart Grover, or whatever. Grover, that guy, yeah. Grover, yeah, whatever his name was. I don't know. No, that's the president. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, try him. Maybe he's a good interior blocker. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. He was a big think, guy. So he but, was a yeah. big guy. He had some girth. Yeah. So maybe that helps. Whoever so, Grover Stewart or whatever. Yeah. He was just wreaking havoc on that second drive. Yeah. Did, uh, did we get any confirmation on a Leverett injury? Because it was a shoulder. They're not. Okay. Because sure. Todd Bowles didn't address it after the game tonight. So. He did say something about it. He said it was a shoulder, but he's, he's not sure. Or, or you know. 
we'll okay. see tomorrow. Kind of, he's sore, or you know him. You know, Todd yeah. Bowles' favorite quote this uh, this off season so far has been, "Oh yeah, he's sore," and then the next day he ends up on IR. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, so let let's talk about the the starting defense, right? Yes, we please. we, we saw. Look, yeah, right. Let's talk about some good stuff. The we've seen Levante David, and for oh. those for those people who who haven't been at the training camp or haven't read PeterReport.com, shame on you. You should be reading PeterReport.com. But we'll we'll tell you how Levante David has played during training camp. Really, really good. Matter of fact, he's had just not one but two red zone interceptions in practice on Tom Brady. It doesn't happen, folks. Tom Brady does not throw red zone interceptions. Certainly not in games. Rarely in practice. But Levante's picked him off twice, and. David is 32 years old, coming off a Liz Frank foot injury, which that's that's a serious foot injury. When Levante tried to come back and play in the playoffs, he was maybe, maybe 60%, probably closer to 50%. And they held him out during the offseason. He has come back with, with the vengeance in this training camp. I think both you guys have seen enough of him out there that Levante looks, I'm not going to say like he's 29, but 30, not 32. He looks like he's... He's still got some wheels. We saw a great sack tonight. Uh, he he forced an incompletion with some great coverage out in the flat. I, I think we're going to see the best of, of Levante David. He's in a contract year. He's 32. He's got something to prove, does he not? Yeah, absolutely. That was, and, you know, he only played, what is it, one or two series. That series. was the Levante David that we have seen throughout his career with the Bucs. And it was yeah. so funny. I... <laughs> Matt Ryan definitely had to have some deja vu of just a Bucks linebacker blitzing right, right up the middle, untouched <laughs> like yeah. and sacked within seconds. But those were, and we talked about it a lot, the impact plays, the splash plays were not there for Levante last yeah. season. And obviously a lot of it had to do, you know, with, with his foot injury. So it right. was just great to see him flying around and he made that impact play. It was another sack on third down, which has kind of been the theme for the Bucks defense, uh, at least throughout this preseason, at least for a couple of games, went in untouched, took Matt Ryan down right away. That was just, yeah. again, like the Levante that we've seen throughout his whole career. I even like the play more that you mentioned, Scott, when he pretty much just decked the running back to ensure yeah. it was going to be an incompletion anyway, but he really right. like put a nice hit into him. And it's just, yeah. that's the Levante that he's we going full see. throttle, man. He's, yeah. he's really flying around that, that foot injury has healed. It's, he it's looks a, in great shape, like faster than, than yeah. he looked last season. And sure, maybe the contract's yeah. a little bit of motivation, but if they have this Levante for 17 yeah. games, I'm just in general, I'm just so excited yeah. for this defense. They got to turn the ball over a little bit more, but I mean, yeah. like, Run stopping, they look great. Akeem Hicks, even though like the stats won't show it, I right. thought he was awesome, just terrorizing everybody up yeah. front. You see that quick first step that everyone's been talking about, and you see why the Bucks front office is so happy with this guy with this addition. If he's healthy, I just love what he can do up front. And him and Vita, it's Vita three guys. So exciting. Yeah. It took three guys to block Akeem yeah. Hicks and Vita, just as I thought it would go and take. And there it 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 opens up things for Levante. And right. And man, as you mentioned, and we we've talked about Levante talked about after the season. And again, this, you know, he wasn't happy with his production. It makes right. splash plays that he made. Uh and, and he wants to be back to that guy. He didn't make the NFL top 100 list this year. You know, how much is that is a snub to him? He also, I mean, he got named as one of the best linebackers in the league. Yeah. Top 10. But still, you know, those things, he wants to be the Levante David of old. He's never yeah. got the recognition that he's got with more national media attention and eyes on Tampa Bay. 
it's his time to shine. And, and I agree. Anything I, like I, this in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's look out, look at uh, opponents. I, I'll say this. Mark Dominic did, did some, some good things in Tampa Bay. Not, not enough good things to get this team to the playoffs. But one of the things that he did was, was he extended Rondé Barber's contract. He gave him a series of one-year deals. And that was partly what Rondé wanted. I think Rondé wanted that edge. He wanted, he didn't want the pressure of, you know, two or three years. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to live up to this contract. Give me a one-year prove-it deal. And I think Mike Greenberg and Mark Dominic did that, I want to say, for four straight years. Rondé had a one-year deal. I wouldn't mind seeing that for Levante David. I know players love to get these these contract extensions, but sometimes it's like they're just so full of avoidable years and fluff money. If they can do it and give, you know, it, and look at their cap situation for next year, they probably have to, to do some void years just because of, of the money they've pushed into the future. But essentially give him some of those one year deals because this Levante David is highly motivated. And I want to see this Levante David next year. If he plays like, I think he's going to play this year. And he's no, not a guy that's going to go anywhere either. I think he's open. I think he'd be yeah, open. He wants to be. He wants to retire a Buccaneer. Yeah, right. there's no one, doubt. One franchise. Levante yeah. David looked hungry. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hungry yeah. out there. And if he wanted to eat in Tampa, I think Devin White would tell him to go to walk-ons. I think you're right. This. This is a walk-on athlete. They push harder and put their heart into the game. This is the passion we're built on. It's why we put our heart into creating game day with a taste of Louisiana. Walk-ons, we live for this. Bucks fans, we've got something exciting for you. We are taking our pregame show on the road, calling it Pewter Tailgate, Pewter Report Tailgate this year. And we're going to be live an hour and a half before kickoff at either the Midtown Tampa location or the Wesley Chapel location of the Walk-On Sports Bistro. Now, Matt mentioned Devin White. He's actually a part owner of the Wesley Chapel location. So don't be fooled when it, it, they're talking about uh, New Orleans, okay? I mean, it's not this is not a Saints joint. This is a Buccaneer joint here in Tampa. Walk-On Sports Bistro is the place to eat for game day or any day. There are over 100 walk-on locations in 15 states, including eight in Florida with two in the Tampa Bay area. That Wesley Chapel location is across from the Outlet Mall up here near me and my neck of the woods and, and also JC as well. And the new Midtown location is just minutes from the stadium down there where Matt lives. With a wide selection of your favorite beer on tap, craft cocktails, burgers, and delicious Cajun and Creole-inspired food, get in the game with walk-ons. Happy hour is 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and all day on Tuesday. Walk-ons is, a, is great for lunch and dinner, and especially on game days with their massive amount of TVs to watch all the action. Visit walk-ons in Wesley Chapel or Midtown, or visit them online at walk-ons.com. Yeah, the Leeds locations. The the loose location, Wesley Chapel location has uh self pour um tables where yeah. you have the taps that's right there. You said, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Right? Am, am I right? That's where you sit? Yeah, that's where you sit. Yeah. yeah. I, Absolutely. I knew that. Uh one thing I want to mention, you mentioned Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea. Logan Hall hasn't recorded any sacks. I, I'm gonna restate this for people out there who believe that Logan Hall might be getting six sacks, which is his goal this year. The Buccaneers have drafted since Warren Sapp, 
four defensive tackles in the first round. Warren Sapp himself, the Hall of Famer, the best defensive tackle in franchise history, one of the best in the game, had three sacks as a rookie in 1995. The next defensive tackle they drafted was at the first round was 1999, Booger McFarland, who had one sack as a rookie. Then they drafted Gerald McCoy in 2010, third overall pick, who had three sacks as a rookie, five-time Pro Bowler. Then they drafted Bita Vea, who just became a Pro Bowl nose tackle for the Buccaneers. And he had three sacks as a rookie. So keep the expectations low for Logan Hall. He's going to be a good player. I thought his play of the night was he had a pretty good rush. Sam Ellinger just took off upfield 45 yards is what he did at Texas. He's a, he's a, a quarterback who can run and throw. Obviously, with a 45-yard touchdown, he can run the ball. But what I liked about Logan Hall was he chased him 47 yards down the field and just about clipped him at the one-yard line. And actually, he did, and that's what forced – Ellinger to, to dive into the end zone, fall into the end zone. I mean, you don't see too many defensive tackles chasing a quarterback 47 yards down the field. This kid has heart and hustle. It's just going to take a matter of time to put it all together, but he's got a guy like Akeem Hicks to learn from as well as a good coaching staff. I like where Logan Hall is at right now. He's going to get better. He's going to be really good, but folks, that effort, that that attitude that he has, that's that's top notch stuff. Yeah, and he almost had a sack too on uh Nick Foles when Nick Foles came yep. with that five yard run. Uh he was he was very so close. close, so close. And you're right. I mean, leaning on those guys and he was held on that play too. He was held on the Ell the Ellen Ellinger run. So right. And, and I mean, I talked to him after practice this week, and he's like, you know, having those guys, those big guys, and you know, learning from Will teaching me kind of what not to do, and I bring a little bit more pass pass rush presence so you know will's been picking my brain and, and just having those guys to talk to and lean on and and be the same height as him be the same size yeah. as him to, to really learn you know how to play with pad level how to play with discipline how to use his speed and his get off to really make plays i think you're right i mean yeah. three sacks this year and, and it's a great I, start i mean a great start I, I was talking with, with jason light i said if he gets three sacks he's he's on a pro bowl pace because <laughs> Vita Vea, Gerald McCoy, and Warren Sapp are all pro bowlers and had three sacks their rookie season. So he laughed at that, of course. But but I mean, I would be fine with three sacks from from Logan Hall as as a rookie. And I think he he's capable of more. I'm not I'm not putting a cap on him, but I'm just saying he's he's got to learn. He he was not a four year starter at, at Houston. He's he's still learning the game. It's gonna take him a little bit of time, just like it took Vita Vea. Vita Vea only played three years of defensive tackle, and that was at the University of Washington. And so there's a running back. He was a running back in high school. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just going to take Logan Hall some time. Right. He's going to be good. So glad this team, Matt, as you mentioned, has Akeem Hicks who can come well, in as a starter and not not have Logan Hall have to succumb to that pressure. That, that's exactly what I was going to say is that one of the best things that could happen. I think Logan Hall is really going to fly under the radar this year. Mm -hmm. And part of it is because Akeem Hicks is here and obviously has, you know, taken like a fish to water here in, in the Bucks defense. But I think Hicks is going to be a great thing for Hall, not just because he can be a mentor and, you know, he can share information with him and yeah. from his years of experience in the league. But can you imagine if Hicks wasn't here 
and Hall was expected to be like one of the starting defensive tackles. People uh, would be up, not so good. <laughs> people would be up in arms about what is he like if he's having if he had like the same kind of training camp and preseason that he's had up yeah. to this point. People would be like, "What is he doing? He hasn't made right. any plays." And I think that's all right, as you mentioned. Like he made the hustle play right then and there. Yeah. And I just can't help but think I'm not trying to like transition here, but like, did the Bucks just forget that the third quarter was starting because it was an atrocious kick return coverage and then yeah. the next play Allinger runs for a touchdown it's just like yeah uh okay and you the, could see Todd Bowles was really pissed about that yeah, too the second I mean, half that was starting now yeah. <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah no he he was really animated on the sidelines there was a good little uh screen grab of of him looking pissed off news channel eights with with their camera work there but yeah that was uh that, that was not a, a good play and and again you know what uh um, I, I think that the coach's job got a lot easier tonight, the, the scout's job, because a lot of these guys that they were hoping to step up and make some tough decisions didn't. And so it's going to be easier to trim this roster down to 53 because, well, and, and, and maybe it is more difficult because there were so many crappy plays and, <laughs> and, and players out there tonight. But right. uh, it just you wanted some of these players to step up and have a good performance and, and, and they really didn't. They, you saw a lot of guys, even so again, if you tuned in at the beginning of the show, some of the players that we kind of talked about a lot, the Fado Cassis, he missed some tackles tonight. Uh, Don Garner didn't really step up and, and make plays as he had the last two games. Uh, Nolan Turner, you know, did not have his best foot forward tonight. So, Kind of disappointing to see. I, I think the Buccaneers starters are fine. Yeah, I, I don't think this team is is going to be as deep, maybe as we thought it was going to be after that Dolphins game. I gotta, you know, you know, one takeaway that I kind of had too is Keyshawn Vaughn looks really good. Yes, and, and we know how He's good Rashad White made some progress. Yeah. Do the does this Bucks team? And I know you touched on it, and I'm I'm in the same mindset with with my final fifty three as well, Scott. But do you think that? Do you think Geo is is a lock to make this team? Do you think this no, they could I, roll with these three running backs? How they well? He, here's the thing. Played? Here's what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. They have to keep Ryan Jensen on the fifty three, right? Correct. So, so right off the bat, you're going to have a twenty four hour period where you have fifty two healthy players and Ryan Jensen because they have to make the roster cuts. Then they have to wait essentially twenty four hours before they can transition Ryan Jensen IR. to the, the short-term injured reserve. So uh, th that's going to prevent them from keeping a guy they want, bringing back a guy that they want sooner, right, rather than later. And, and I think that what typically happens is they go to a, a, a vested veteran, a veteran who – Josh Wells or something like well, that. Josh Wells, maybe, but uh, I think it might be Giovanni Bernard. They go to him and say, we're going to cut you, and then we're going to bring you back when we have a roster spot by, by doing that. But i tell you what, I, I would not be shocked if this team goes with three running backs – and even if they don't want to bring Giovanni Bernard back, Giovanni Bernard's good. He's just getting to the point where he's getting nicked up an awful lot. He's just getting hurt. He's 31 now, I believe. And I, I just don't know that, that that is. And the progress from White and Vaughn and pass pro and receiving, like that's it, what Gio does. Been, like, he's right, not a runner right. at all. So right. you've got running backs that can run the ball with, with, with Vaughn and White. And they're showing improved receiving yeah. skills and pass pro skills. Do you really? Need, I think Giovanni Bernard. I think he's a 
a, a candidate for the practice squad if, if he's okay with that. You know, his yeah. other option, you go somewhere else, you'd be the third back, maybe third down roll type situation, or you're already getting paid nine hundred thousand dollars from the Bucks this year, guaranteed from your contract. Yeah. On top of that, you're gonna get a veteran minimum, so it'd be like one point two. You're gonna make around this, roughly the same three hundred thousand dollars on the practice squad. Right. Maybe that's a maybe that's a route he takes to stick around, win a game, and you know. They could always elevate them if there's injuries or something. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, too. As we've seen around the league, running back is it, it's a dime a dozen position. It's become that where you can pick a guy up off the street. They did that a couple of years ago with Kenyon Barner midseason. Put him on the practice squad, teach him the plays for you know a week or two. Then, then you, <laughs> yeah, then you elevate him as necessary. So I would not be surprised if this team rolls into Dallas with just three running backs on the team because Keyshawn – uh, Vaughn has done such a better job in pass protection, running the ball, catching the ball. He's been one of the most improved players in the team. He's, He's really yeah, caught me off guard. The, the NFL is a, is a young man's game, and that goes like double for the running back position, right. where you just age like in dog years. And you see it with Bernard; <laughs> he just he just can't stay healthy. But to your point, like Keyshawn Vaughn, nine rushes, thirty six yeah. yards, and a touchdown. And on that touchdown scoring drive, he had runs of fourteen and twelve, and then showed yeah. that he could punch it in from the goal line. That's right. Like that's something that not every running back can do. Like Bernard yeah. isn't really a guy that you're going to put in in a goal line situation. Right. It's and funny. Had, he had some great runs last week in Tennessee. I mean, yeah. this is not like a, a fluky game for him. Going, going into the season, the best thing Keyshawn Vaughn had going for him is that like, oh, he still got like another year or two on his contract. So yeah. like, there's no point in cutting him <laughs> right. right now. It, right. it wasn't like, oh, you know, he's up and coming. He's improving every year. Yeah. This is why he should stay on the team. Right. So it's like, eh, he's a cheap option, but this year he's he's really put it together and like I very agree. much very much under the radar he was a guy that again like bubble guy practice squad type of thing everyone would be yeah. like yeah that makes sense but he's to his credit he's proving it in the game and we've seen a lot of guys whether it's Jalen Darden or you know Scotty that we talked about doing well in practice don't see it as much in the game Darden had a touchdown right. in that in that first preseason game but not as much after Vaughn maybe not seeing as much like totally in practice, but he's doing it in the game. So that's yeah. the best thing he's got going for him. And I think he earned his spot on, on the team with, with this performance, especially given the Bernard thing yeah. that went on. And you can bet on him to stay healthy too. I mean, he right. hasn't had any injuries at all. Yep. Willington <laughs> Prevalon. I don't think he did enough tonight to make the active roster, perhaps even the practice squad. We shall see, shall we not? Uh, Benning Potawai had a night tonight, and and even Mike Green had that. some good penetration yeah. too. So yeah, I don't know. Prevalon had a good game last week, but Potawai he looked the best of Prevalon. Sorry, Prevalon and <laughs> Mike Green. I think out of those three, Potawai he had the the best night. But the thing is, is I think all three guys are practice squad guys at best. I think For you know, and, and then squad. probably Sanat is also a practice squad guy. I think they they roll with this with with the six guys. That we thought heading tonight, into the right, huh? So not got beat up tonight, though. He got yeah, taken yeah. for a ride by Philip yeah. Lindsay on that seven-yard run, and then on the touchdown, on the touchdown drive, he had that big encroachment penalty yeah. that put him at the three-yard line. Yeah. We're gonna help Charlie out here. He has been patiently waiting yeah. for us to discuss the cornerback two position, which we have been putting off. So Charlie, Who knows? what are they doing? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing, Who and doing? um. I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll say this. I'm going to go on record right now saying the cornerback the cornerback position is concerning to me because Jamel Dean, if he has not made a push for the starting lineup yet, 
and, and if they're going to go with Sean Murphy Bunting, who seems content to allow the catch and then make the tackle, I understand the philosophy of keeping the play in front of you so you don't get beat. And Sean Murphy Bunting is a guy that's been beat too many times. But we've also seen Matt and JC, this coaching staff, Todd Bowles, Kevin Ross, uh, Nick Rapone, the safeties uh, coach, they want more takeaways. They want more interceptions. And Larry Foote, the the secondary, the, uh, the the back seven defensive coordinator, wants more takeaways. We have not seen – I haven't seen Sean Murphy Bunting touch a pass in practice. I've not been to every single practice. I think we all rotate kind of our coverage right yeah. there. But have you seen Sean Murphy Bunting break up a pass or have an interception? One, right? It you know, great. it's it's funny. He did one like the last, pra- like the last practice before – they headed off to uh okay. to so arrow so pointing he, up for Sean Murphy Bunting. Yeah, Good for him. It was. Yeah. I, I do have to give him I do have to give him credit there. What I will say though is I credit thought, to make an interception on the last practice yeah, of training I know, camp. I know. No, no. <laughs> um I thought Jamel Dean was was solid today. Like I thought mm-hmm. he had pretty good coverage. Um, he came close to interception, which of course has been the name of the game for all the right. corners. Yes. They get very close, but so. don't don't get it done. That's the one thing with the starting defense, and again, they haven't really played in this yeah. preseason. But that's the one thing I want to see. Everything else they're doing is great, but turn yeah. get, get some turnovers. That's the one thing I want right. to see. Jamel Dean, again, came very close, but yeah. uh, close but no cigar, S- as they say. SMB, SMB is Ellis Hobbs without the speed. I don't know if you guys remember Ellis Hobbs. He was a Patriots cornerback for a long time. Always the same thing. He played about 10, you know, 5 to 10 yards off the receiver, kept him in front of him, came up, made the tackle, never made any splash plays, was the reason why – they lost one that Super Bowl uh, to the Giants, yeah. and that's who he is. But Ellis Hobbs at least had speed. SMB does not have that, and I, I th- don't I think, know what they're doing. I think the Zion McCollum injury really kind of threw a little bit of a wrench into their cornerback plans. They were hoping Zion McCollum was going to end up as a starter opposite Carlton Davis at the end of training camp. McCollum just needed experience. He's got the size – the physical tools, the agility, the speed, the athleticism. He's got checks all the boxes except playing NFL football, which he's a rookie coming from Sam Houston. It's a big jump. And I think not being able to play in the Titans and in this Colts preseason game has really slowed his progress. And it's not like he was making a ton of progress, but the arrow was pointing up for him at one point, and, and then he gets hurt in Tennessee – and, and all of a sudden, that's that's just backed him up. He's got this hamstring injury now, and and we'll have to see when he can come back. But I, the, the, you know, the problem now is 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 any mistake you make, it counts because it's in a regular season game. It's not like you can get away with with a blown coverage again, like he had in the Dolphins game where he bit on a uh, on a on a fake. Not turning but, your head around to make a play. Around, exactly. So, listen, we're, we're throwing a lot of shade at the the cornerback position. I get that. And folks, if you're looking for shade, like like I was, for my uh, patio and for my pool, there's one place to turn. It's Florida Lanai curtains. It's seriously the best investment that I have made at my home. I absolutely love it. Ashley loves it. We live in Florida because of what? We love the warm weather, right? However, the two most common complaints about spending time outside of our Florida home is the lack of privacy when homes are being built closer and closer to one another and then the brutal heat of those warm summer months. The lack of privacy and too much sun can drive you inside, away from uh, your enjoying you know, the, your screen enclosed pool or, or your outdoor spaces as much as you would like. 
That's where Florida Lanai Curtains comes in. It solves both these problems with the privacy on demand patented outdoor privacy curtain systems and the custom made screen enclosure shade sales. Their flexible installation options and high quality products give you the privacy and shade just where you need them. Privacy on demand curtains are made from the well-known Sunbrella brand of Marine Canvas. And that's what sold us. This is Marine Canvas quality, backed by a 10-year fade-free warranty. So you know they're going to hold up to all of the heat and the sun and the inclement weather in the state of Florida. And they come in over 100 colors. They're going to enhance the look and the comfort of, of any outdoor space. Now, the unique shade sails are made from solar mesh. They're the ones that go on top of your lanai to block out the sun. They've got a 10-year warranty also against degradation and are built to give you the shade and UV protection for years to come. If you need privacy or shade and you want more freedom to enjoy your outdoor spaces, visit the folks at Florida Lanai Curtains. Check out their website, lanaicurtains.com, to find out more about their amazing custom products. And you can do your own hassle-free instant online estimate. Folks, it is worth the investment. I've got them here at my house and... I've, I've had them for months before Florida Lanai Curtains even became an advertiser. Call 813-337-2511 to schedule a free in-home consultation. That's Florida Lanai Curtains at lanaicurtains.com. How's that for throwing some shade? That was, that was great. Yeah, that was I that that was a that was a Mark Cook esque uh, segue right that. there. So yeah, very very good. Um, one thing I, we were we were talking about the the coverage and the kickoff coverage a little bit. Oh. There was just one thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know if it's just me or if you guys have seen it too, but with Jake Camarda, like his first punt, I thought it was really good. What was it? 62 yards, something like that. Yeah. He absolutely like bombed it down the right. field. But I do feel like some of his kicks, sometimes he has pretty good hang time. And other times right. I feel like they're a little more line drive-ish. I'm, I'm not sure if it's just that, they're not getting the gunners aren't getting down there quick Todd, enough. Or Todd talked about this. He talked about this in the postgame yeah. pod. So let me just kind of set the stage here. This entire preseason, they have wanted Kamarda to outkick his coverage. And sometimes when you need a 65 yard, it's got to be a little bit more of a of a line drive without as much trajectory. What yeah. they wanted to do, and I think they ultimately failed, they wanted to find out who can run and gun. They wanted to find out which guys had the wheels to beat the double teams, beat those vice guys, and get down the field to cover punts. And Todd Bowles pretty much admitted that they did not find any gunners this preseason <laughs> using that approach. So what he did say was what he did say was that they're going to be doing some more strategic game planning where you might see a 42-yard punt designed for a fair catch, where you're not going to be seeing all these massive returns. And I'll tell you, if Cavante uh, Turpin – makes the Dallas Cowboys roster, the TCU kid who had the 86-yard punt return for a touchdown and the 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown in, in that Cowboys game the other the other week, uh, you're going to want this guy to fair catch. <laughs> even, even a 38-yard punt, just do not have him return the ball because he is a touchdown waiting to happen. So I think that was what they tried to do. That, at least that's what Bull said. And ultimately, it didn't really work. They didn't really find – using that strategy, the guys that could go down there and be the double team and, and make a tackle. No, and, and they've they've tried out multiple people out that position. Uh, D Delaney and Jamel Dean started the game. Both of those guys have some good speed. It was, was interesting because I thought maybe they tried Rashad Robinson out there first because he, he is the fastest guy on the team, yeah. according to several players. But um, 
they need they need to do something. They need to do something, whether that is game planning strategically, because as Bull said, there wasn't any guys who stood out consistently right. so far this entire preseason or camp and camp's different because they're not doing live tackling. Yeah. Um, you know, Bruce did a little bit of it last year. Bulls didn't do any of it this year, but they they need someone to step up because that's it's not gonna be pretty come regular season if you're letting up 53-yard kick returns, 10-yard averages on punt returns, 17-yard long punt returns. Uh, you can't have that happen because field position is so important in these games, especially with some of the opponents and offenses they're going to be going up against. Yep. You, you can't give them good field position. You can't let a 62-yard punt become a net gain of, of 30 yards. Can't do yep. it. Can't happen. I will say this. The Buccaneers did draft the right punter at the end of the day, right? Yep. I mean – and you say that there, there, there was some consternation when punt God was was passed over and the Bucks drafted Jake Camarda. Devil. I think after after today, right, the Bucks made the right call. Right. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of just press conferences, you mentioned Todd Bowles. Tom Brady spoke for the first time in a very long time. I don't know if there was much to uh, take away from you from what you guys uh, heard and saw. Obviously, he was asked about um, you know the fact that. He was gone. Where was he? And, you know, he did the typical, like, it's my personal life. I'm not really going to talk about it. I do like, though, that one of his answers was just like, yeah, I got a lot of shit to do. <laughs> you know, He's like, I'm 45 right. years so, old. I got a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, listen, I, I think that we we pretty much have to assume. And again, you know what they say about assuming makes an ass out of you and me. So I, I could be wrong here, but just being married and being a couple years older than Tom. I'm Tom's senior. I'm 50 and he's only 45. I, I do think that when he came out of retirement, there was some negotiation with, with Giselle. Right. I mean, I think we, we can pretty much come to yeah. that conclusion that it was, Hey babe, I really want to play football again. And she's like, well, okay. The way he said it too, you know, there's like, I got shit. I got like, it yeah. seemed like he's like, I've got real life shit going on. There was yeah. it doesn't, like, if I didn't take this vacation with right. vacation, well, we don't know with my wife, like, you there was going to play. I mean, we've all been there. We have honeydew lists and stuff. Right. I mean, that was just part of the honeydew list. But I a, think, you know, during training camp, take the trash out. You know, pack the kids' lunches and take a vacation. That's just part of it when it comes to to, to Giselle's honeydew list, right? For time. He, said, he said something in the past before, like every time I try to like do that stuff, I just screw it up. And she's like, "Just let me do it." Um, right. But I, 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 I think she's said, saying we're gonna we're gonna do it now, right? <laughs> I mean, listen. Um, remember when Giselle and the kids saw Tom instantly after winning the super bowl she was pretty much like we're done now right like what more do you have to prove we're done right and tom's like yeah not really you know so listen I, I get it negotiations and all that stuff listen when, when you're tom brady you can pull it off so do it man get down to the bahamas get your vacation in and listen this was all part of the bucks plan too i i've talked to people within the organization before training camp started this was all about seeing if Kyle Trask could make the jump right. up to and number two. And that can't happen if Tom Brady is here without taking a bunch of days off. So, And Bull said, too, like between the two games, he wasn't going to play the practices for those two weeks. Right. The, with his days off, he was he only missed three practices. So it wasn't yeah. like it was a big deal. I think another big thing, too, that came out of the press conference from Tom was, you know, he's like, I read all these stories about where I was going to go, what teams were, I was going to go to. And he's like, I 
was only going to one place, which was here. And then he went on to say, you know, he talked about how, you know, he chose the right place and, and, you know, showed love for Jason and the Glazers and everything like that. But, you know, there's been so much to come out about. Was he going to the Dolphins, the 49ers? Whoa, Dana, Dana White came out and said it was the Raiders. Like for him to just say, no, like this was the place I wanted to be. Yeah. And double down on what he said at the ring ceremony, you know, mm-hmm. when he was like, this it was all worked ring. out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right? it's all conjecture because yeah. th- those are what it could have should us. We know what happened. We, th- the bucks have rings to prove it. They've got a second Lombardi trophy over there at the Advent health training center to prove it folks. It, it has been a fun night tonight. Uh, even though the game wasn't that fun. It's been great chatting with you all. We appreciate the super chats. Absolutely. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We're over 9,000. We're on our way to 10,000 because of you guys, the pewter people that we love. Subscribe to Pewter Report TV on our YouTube channel and hit the like button on our videos. We greatly appreciate that. Helps the algorithm, helps us get in front of more pewter people like you, which makes it fun to talk to more people. We love it. Now, the great thing is, is this week coming up, the Bucks don't have a game next week. You got to wait two weeks before the season opener, but we will have four Pewter Report podcast in a row, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, covering all of the roster cuts as they happen. The analysis, will, we're also going to give our season predictions prior to the, the week before the Cowboys game, now that the preseason's concluded. So you don't want to miss the Pewter Report podcast coming your way at 4 o'clock Eastern time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, of course, as always, stay tuned to pewterreport.com for all the latest Bucks roster cuts, injury news, recap analysis commentary etc we we appreciate everybody tuning in all throughout training camp in the preseason let's keep it going during the season and for our social media accounts twitter instagram facebook you can find us at pewter report but we want to make sure that you when you're watching the pewter report podcast and any of the clips that, that matt and casey put up on our youtube channel pewter report tv you're hitting the like button and you're also subscribing so Uh, We appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. For Matt Matera and J.C. Allen, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you Monday for a roll call and another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Out.